right, people. Welcome back to the show. That was a fun voice I put on the intro. Uh, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. I am Andrew for America. And boy, I've been dropping some Instagram real truth bombs lately that have been blowing up. I had one go semi-viral. I'm up to like 78, 80,000 uh, views Countless likes and shares. One of my biggest posts ever. Uh, <laughs> and all I did was uh, I did a remix of a video that I saw uh, about some guy talking to Lockheed Martin executives about how they're one of the most uh, diverse and inclusive and equitable companies. And he asks the question, just uh, wondering if you could uh, tell us off the top of your head if you know uh, how many diversity and inclusion bombs were dropped on Syria, Yemen, Palestine? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, and then he asked how many uh, um, non-binary Navy divers uh, blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. <laughs> uh, it was clearly satire, but boy, the comments are full of some of the most ignorant shit I've ever seen on social media which just further hammers home my always consistent points that we are in trouble. We are a bunch of programmable lemmings. The average American is a dumbed-down automaton robot already, completely controlled by propaganda and soon by the AI, and we're fucked. We're in big, big, big trouble. And that's just the way it is. Might as well just strap on your seatbelt, maybe break out of fear and loathing in Las Vegas-level uh, suitcase, full of uh, goodies, you know, a Hunter S. Thompson level of drugs and <laughs> psychedelics. <laughs> and let's just go out with a bang, you know? Let's just uh, hallucinate a little bit for, uh, a little bit before uh, our actual natural DMT gets secreted into our body and we, I don't know, travel to the next realm, another world, another universe. Maybe a parallel universe. Maybe we're going to reincarnate into a duck or a bird or a dog or something. Live a little bit more of a simpler life. Sometimes I wonder if uh, tortured human souls uh, get to reincarnate as dogs that we human beings pamper and treat better than our own children sometimes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I'm going to change the subject. Let's get the show going. I recently saw a post from one of my followers, Templar Warrior 18 on Instagram. Fantastic content. Go follow that page immediately. But this person recently uh, posted some of the uh, bullet point plans of the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, the big club, the... the uh, Sustainable Development, Agenda 2030, Inventory and Control Plan to take control over all plants, animals, humans, wildlife, land, everything. Total control. A brave new Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian dictatorship world order. Not an American order, not a Russian order, not a Chinese order. Well, maybe a Chinese order. 
uh, when things are said and done, but a world order. Total. Everything. All. Nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. I've been over it a million times. So here we go. Let's read a little bit about this plan for the world that I have been continuing to talk about on this podcast since episode one. Here we go. How it'll flow if the new WHO pandemic treaty is signed. They're trying to get this pandemic treaty signed. You want to learn about it? You want to know what's involved in this pandemic treaty that they're trying to get signed? Here we go. So this is how it'll start. The World Health Organization under Tedros, who, by the way, brief aside, has the most pandering, hilarious, bullshit uh, Twitter page I've ever seen. It's a joke. Go follow Tedros on Twitter and uh, prepare to laugh your freaking ass off because he's hilarious. Okay, so here we go. The World Health Organization declares a health emergency. So we're talking Tedros, Bill Gates, Xi Jinping, uh, maybe Plotkin, you know, the usual suspects. And, uh, or, you know, and or a health organization, I'm sorry, health emergency or a climate emergency. Okay, so it's going to be health or climate. That's the guys. That's the auspice. Okay, then they will mandate all citizens in a country or a region to be vaccinated against some climate situ. I don't know how you get vaccinated against some, but maybe they will introduce something into the climate that require, will require you to get vaccinated because it's causing a health emergency. See how easy it is? See how the two go hand in hand? Okay. So they're going to force vaccinate you even more. Then the pandemic treaty gives them full control of all of your government's resources. Hmm, how convenient. So now all state and corporate fascist power will be mobilized against you. Okay. It will be enforced by your local police, your local military national guard. Uh, they will enforce the mandates. Okay. Now, if we refuse to cooperate, any member nation, then guess what happens? Charlie Robinson from the Macroaggressions Podcast's famous red line. If we refuse to cooperate with the local police and military mandates, then the UN troops can be deployed on your soil to round up and forcibly vaccinate the population. And this will apply to masking or testing or whatever bullshit they want to throw at us, okay? So we don't want this pandemic treaty passed, people. Once signed, if it's signed, we will be in a perpetual state of emergency. And I would also like to add a perpetual state of total warfare. And they will control your government in perpetuity. Again, this is right out of Orwell's 1984. Continuing the same themes. Let's read some bullet points. This will be fun. Go grab a beverage. Might want to sit down. The 2005 International Health Regulations is the instrument that empowers the World Health Organization to declare a public health emergency of international concern. Okay? Uh, international health regulations, that phrase immediately makes me think of Dr. Rima Labo and Codex 
Alimentarius. And if you've been a down since day one listener of this podcast, you have heard me go over at length what is involved with Codex Alimentarius. Pretty sure it's in the Conspiracy Theories Are Stupid episode. When I talk about uh, the young woman that uh, got to experience Hitler taking over her home country of Austria, I believe it was. Great episode. Good insights. Good perspective. Go check that episode out. Um, yeah, so that shit that Dr. Rima Labo was talking about 20 years ago, she was on an episode of uh, Jesse Ventura's Conspiracy Theory back in the late 2000s, I think it was, 2007, 2008. She flew in to talk to him, to talk to him and then immediately flew out. She said she wants sticking around the United States. Soon they're going to be about mandating vaccinations. She called Dr. Rima Labo, people. Go look her up. She called all the shit 20, 30 years ago, okay? All right, the next bullet point. Hundreds of amendments to the IHR are being proposed, and these amendments will empower the World Health Organization to become the de facto governing body of all member states, including the U.S., okay? As currently written, the IHR amendments will be legally binding and will supersede local and national laws. That is the big one right there. Your sovereignty, your state, national law is gone. We, are now, we will now be living under world law, which will be inescapable and will be the law of the world in perpetuity. Okay? They ain't fucking around, my fellow Americans. So that means that we can't be fucking around anymore, okay? Especially with this wokeism bullshit. That is just a distraction. I would make the argument. I'm starting to think that Ukraine is just a distraction. They got y'all focused on all this stupid bullshit so that they can start usurping a little bit more in the night while you're asleep, just taking a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. They even include, these amendments, they even include enforcement tools to ensure that member nations comply with the World Health Organization's edicts. Areas of life that are being added in under the umbrella of health include climate, of course, food production, and even poverty. So the World Health Organization will be able to claim sole global authority. Soul, solamente in Espanol, only global authority. El jefe del mundo, if you know what I'm saying, over anything to do with those issues as well. Importantly, the IHR amendments will abolish bodily autonomy and personal choice and replace these God-given rights and freedoms with a one-size-fits-all medicine. <laughs> All nations will comply with the World Health Organization's edicts. All nations. Importantly, the IHR amendments will abolish bodily autonomy. We had already said that. Um, it could be a potential unproven or suspected threat. Hear that? A potential, which could be made up, invented unproven, which means they told you and it was not true and didn't exist, or a suspected, which is 100% garbage, nonsense, bullshit, okay? 
Let's move on. Human dignity, rights, and freedoms will not be factored in. They're going to tell you that it's going to be factored in, but it will not be. The, imp uh, the implementation of these regulations shall be with full respect for the dignity, human rights, and fundamental freedoms of persons based on the principles of equity, inclusivity, coherence, and in accordance with their common but differentiated responsibilities of the state's parties taking into consideration their social and economic development. In other words, bodily autonomy and personal choice are gone. Okay. Um, the health, the response to the international spread of diseases, including through health systems, readiness, and resilience in ways that are commensurate with and restricted to public health risk, will be basically this how they're going to handle things. All risks with um, all risks with the potential to impact public health and which avoid unnecessary interference with international traffic and trade, of course, the banks are still going to be ruling the, the water and the trade. You know, maritime laws, bank law, uh, livelihoods, human rights, equitable access to health products and healthcare technologies and know-how are all fall under this. So basically, you wasps, you white Anglo-Saxon Protestant men predominantly, we're going to be at the bottom of this food chain. We're going to be the slaves. And the the whole woke racism, um, destroy masculinity argument. It, they're gonna they're gonna brainwash uh, the quote unquote minorities or minority groups of the past. Right? They're gonna be like the rights of old are going to be righted with the downward progress and forced um, changes in society that are going to adversely affect white people, white men, the most. And everyone's going to say, ha, 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 you got what you deserve for years of racism and, and all the bullshit and fucked up stuff you did to people of color and and uh, the patriarchy and the, all that. The, 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 all, people are going to believe all that stuff, and then they're going to be living under this world order. And they're not even going to think that maybe the old ways were the best ways. And now they're all all slaves. Now everyone's a slave. Ha, ha, ha. Joke's on you. You wanted to enslave white people, and through the process of being brainwashed into thinking that that was what was actually happening, you enslaved yourselves. The whole world enslaved itself. itself. Is that what you want? Does that make you happy? Because that's what's happening. Be smarter than the bullshit, people. Be smarter than the agenda. Be smarter than the mainstream media narratives. Go seek out real news, real investigative journalism and reporting. Go to alternative media. Go find your favorite podcaster, your favorite news pundit, and get your news there. Or better yet, start doing your own research so that you can discover for yourself what's real and what's fantasy. TikTok, people. We're running out of time. I sound like a broken record on this podcast. I know. Do or do or do not do though, people. There is no try. <laughs> There's no try in the words of Yoda. Do or do not. There is no try. Okay. Let's move on. Article 15. 
for application on a time-limited, risk-specific basis in response to a public health emergency of international concern so as to prevent or reduce the international spread of disease and minimize interference with international traffic. Since the word non-binding is removed, this means that any recommendation from the World Health Organization will be binding and member states will be required to follow the World Health Organization's recommendations. The purpose and scope of these regulations are to prevent, protect against, prepare, control, and provide a public um, public something that cuts off here. Sorry. Um, shit. I don't know what it says there. Damn it. Oh, well. Uh, the director general can also impose sanctions on nations that refuse to follow his dictates. <laughs> How's my dictate, Tedros? <laughs> These nuts in your mouth. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm gross. I know. I digress. How can a single person be given the authority to make decisions for the entire world? That's a fantastic question, Tedros. Someone should ask you that to your face on camera. This kind of authoritarian top-down system can only damage public health as public health is best served by lo- is best served by local decision makers that have access to local data. <sighs> State power, world communism is what's coming people. This shit's scary. If the World Health Organization suspects that an outbreak within a nation might pose an international threat, but the nation in question doesn't want to collaborate with the WHO, the WHO will immediately tell the other members about the suspected threat, which will put pressure on the uncooperative nation, and the views of that nation will be deemed irrelevant. Other amendments within this and other articles also specifically remove any involvement of the nation in the WHO's decision-making. Article 13 below is but one example. As noted by Campbell, the Director General is the person that will be making the final decisions. And if they need to send the UN blue hat jackboots into your country to force vaccinate you and throw you into FEMA camps if you don't comply, tell me Nazi Germany isn't reborn on this planet once again. Tell me that this isn't the rise of the Fourth Reich. In the words of, uh, what's his name? Who wrote that book, The Third Reich? Mars, Jim Mars. Go read his books, people. If the state party does not accept the offer of collaboration within 48 hours, the who may and shall, when justified by the magnitude of the public health risk, immediately share with other state parties the information available to it. We'll encourage the state party to accept the offer of collaboration by World Health Organization one way or the other. Okay, people? I'm not making this stuff up, people. If you guys are still listening to my show or if you're a new listener to my show and you think that I'm just a tinfoil hat wearing, nut job, uh, unthinking conspiracy theorist, a fundamentalist, radicalized, uh, whatever, insurrectionist, deplorable, right? If you really think that about me, I'm here to tell you the propaganda and the narratives have worked on you. I'm sorry. 
but that's what has happened. And that's what has happened to the vast, vast majority of people. And that sucks. If anybody listening to this show or shows like mine really think we're going to do anything about it at this point, I'm starting to believe it's already too late. I'm starting to believe it's, you know, from now until the bitter end is all just filling in the blanks for the big club. It's a battlefield for your mind is what's going on. Uh, Prince, Minneapolis native, the late great Prince. Uh, I shared a post from him the other day, and he called it people. Who knows what this guy knew? Who knew what he, who knows what he knows or knew about the Illuminati and the people that control all the musicians and what their plans are and if they're you know Satan worshippers or whatever, right? Let me see if I can't find this Prince thing that I shared. And again, if you guys don't follow me on social media, I don't know what you're doing. You need to go follow my social media page, Absolute Fire. Here we go. Quote. It's cool to use the computer, but don't let the computer use you. It's cool to get on the computer, but don't let the computer get on you. There's a war going on. The battlefield is the mind, and the prize is the soul. I believe Rudolf Steiner would tend to agree with this quote from the late, great Minnesotan known as Prince, or the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> Maybe Prince was trying to tell us something, people, and I hope we listened. Let's hit a commercial, and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. pandemic highlighted the value of digital health solutions in facilitating access to health services. While the emergency phase of the COVID-19 pandemic is now over, investments in digital infrastructure remain an important resource for health systems and for economies and societies at large. Like many countries, the European Union made significant investments in COVID-19 certificates to help people move around as safely as possible during the pandemic. The European Union certification system was used by all 27 EU member states and more than 50 other countries. Building on the success of the EU system, WHO is proud today to launch the Global Digital Health Certification 
network. So thank you so much to European uh, Union for the excellent certification system that you have transferred to us and we have the chance to build on it. WHO will begin operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use, such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination, routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries. WHO will continue to work with all regions to ensure that the network is accessible globally. Welcome back to the show, people. On Monday, the unelected World Health Organization, in partnership with the unelected European Commission, launched the Global Digital Health Certification Network, which is, in effect, a global vaccine passport network. People, (laughs) I'm not making this shit up. I'm going to introduce Tedros to you. That was Tedros, World Health Organization Director General. And I've talked about him quite a bit on this show. And I am going to give you a little bit of background on the man here in a second. But first, I want to read some more literature to you from our friend um, Templar Warrior uh, 18, I believe it is. Yep, Templar Warrior 18. Here we go. The Rockefeller Foundation and World Health Organization announce a partnership to expand global pandemic preparedness in an era of climate change. This was a press release from the Rockefeller Foundation. This is going to prove to further illustrate my point today. Here we go. Geneva, May 23rd, 2023. Rockefeller Foundation, World Health Organization, have announced a new partnership to strengthen the World Health Organization hub for pandemic and epidemic intelligence. As part of the collaboration, the foundation is investing $5 million U.S. in partners working with World Health Organization to cultivate global networks for pathogen detection and to strengthen pandemic preparedness capabilities, including broadening surveillance for diseases worsened by rising temperatures and extreme weather. (laughs) Climate and health. I've been over it. And now, people, you have proof from the horse's own mouth if you don't want to believe people like me that have been trying to tell you about the shit for God knows how long now. You can go look it up yourself. Rockefeller Foundation dot 
org partnership with World Health Organization partnership to expand global preparedness in an era of climate change. People, the title says it all. Climate change is increasing both the risk of another global pandemic and the need to collaborate and share data, said Dr. Rajiv Shah, president of the Rockefeller Foundation. Fortunately, the WHO pandemic hub is already making us smarter and safer by helping track threats, find solutions, and connect countries and continents. We're proud to partner with the hub to expand its focus on preventing pandemics fueled by climate change, people. (laughs) What if they control the climate and they control your health? What if, people? (laughs) What if? The Rockefeller Foundation will support projects under the WHO Hub for Pandemic and Epidemic Intelligence Stewardship, including, here we go, here's some bullet points, scaling global capacity for genomic surveillance through the newly launched International Pathogen Surveillance Network. People, surveillance, a brave new Orwellian surveillance, police state totalitarian dictatorship. Okay. The COVID-19 pandemic underscored that disease surveillance, collaboration between stakeholders, remember that phrase, stakeholder capitalism, Klaus Schwab, World Economic Forum, and data sharing were absolutely essential ingredients for health security. And the global community was unprepared, said Dr. I'm not even going to pronounce this person's name who is the WHO Assistant Director General and Head of the WHO Hub for Pandemic and Epidemic Intelligence. His name is Dr. Chikwe Ikwezu. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. With the increasing threats from climate change, we are excited to partner with the Rockefeller Foundation, new era of global collaboration, to usher in a new era of global collaboration to usher in a new era of global collaboration. People, is it starting to make sense to you in pandemic intelligence? Okay. Um, there you have it, people. Like, I don't know, you know, you guys, I don't know what more I need to provide for you to see the sad reality that is happening to all of us, you, me, all of us in this world right now as we speak. I don't know what more I need to provide. I I really, people, I really hope we figure this shit out. I want to play another clip. This is a clip about Alice Bailey. And if you don't know who Alice Bailey is, you're about to find out right now. Alice Bailey is a interesting figure, 
affiliated with all of these groups, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds, the big banking cartels, probably the big drug trafficking cartels, all the governments, all the aristocrats, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera, right? You guys have probably heard about Alice Bailey, but I'm going to play this for you anyway because this is good information for you to know that is connected to all of the shit I'm talking about, okay? Okay, here we go. Check this out. He wrote the 10 rules for the one world government which still exists at the United Nations today. And they are, take God and prayer out of education. Number two, reduce parental authority over children. Number three, destroy the traditional Christian family structure. Number four, if sex is free, make abortion easy and legal. Five, make divorce easy and legal, free people of the concept of traditional marriage. Six, make homosexuality the alternative lifestyle. Seven, debase art, make it run mad. Eight, use media to promote and change mindset. Nine, create an interfaith movement without God. And ten, get governments to make all these laws and get the churches to endorse them. Um, let's just say the one thing not welcome at the United Nations is God. <laughs> the one thing not welcome at the United Nations is God. Did you hear all those 10 rules for the New World Order? You are the product of submissive governmental indoctrination disguised as education. People. <laughs> I've been over it, right? No one will enter the New World Order unless he or she will make a pledge to worship Lucifer. No one will enter the New Age unless he will take a Luciferian initiation and some people believe that that use a luciferian initiation is the mark of the beast when you trade in your name and you become a number a slave a barcode the movie gray state come to life manifest incarnate in objective reality People, it's coming. And if you don't believe me, and you don't believe the countless uh, annals of research and evidence that I have provided on this podcast since episode one, take a listen to, I think this is Mel Kay, reading the 10 rules for the New World Order by Alice Bailey at the United Nations. They have 10 rules for the New World Order. Listen up. Here we go. He wrote the 10 rules for the One World Government which still exists at the United Nations today. And they are, take God and prayer out of education. Number two, reduce parental authority over children. Mm -hmm. Number three, destroy the traditional Christian family structure. Mm -hmm. Number four, if sex is free, make abortion easy and legal. Mm -hmm. Five, make divorce easy and legal, free people of the concept of traditional marriage. Mm -hmm. Six, make homosexuality the alternative lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Seven, debase art, make it run mad. Eight, use media to promote and change mindset. Oh. Nine, create an interfaith movement without oh. God. And ten, get governments to make all these laws and get the churches to endorse them. 
Um, let's just say the one thing not welcome at the United Nations is God. All right, people, let's uh, change directions and let's meet some of these characters. I want to introduce you to Alice Bailey, and then I'm going to introduce you to Tedros. And boy, is this stuff interesting. I'm telling you, Alice Bailey by herself ties together so many different concepts that I've talked to you guys about on this podcast, and you're going to see why right here. Uh, Politics and Punk Rock podcast fans and listeners, allow me to introduce to you a new character here on the show. Alice Ann Bailey was a writer of more than 24 books on theosophical subjects. Theosophical. Anthroposophical. Remember that? Remember that? You remember that from previous episodes, people? Okay. She was one of the first writers to use the term New Age, which you hear everywhere now, and one of the, I think, the 10th rule of the 10 rules of the New World Order is to make an all-world New Age religion, and all the churches are going to push towards this, allegedly. Okay, Bailey was born Alice Latrobe Bateman in Manchester, England. She moved to the United States in 1907, where she spent most of her life as a writer and teacher. Bailey's work written between 1919 and 1949, okay, between World War I and World War II, very important. Describe a wide-ranging neo-theosophical system of esoteric thought covering such topics as how spirituality relates to the solar system, meditation, healing, spiritual psychology, the destiny of nations, where have you heard that before, Manly P. Hall, and prescriptions for society in general. She described the majority of her work as having been telepathically dictated to her by a master of wisdom, initially, uh, initially referred to only as the Tibetan, or by the initials D.K., later identified as Dual Cool, and really quick, uh, Dual Cool was believed by some theosophists to be uh, a Tibetan disciple of ageless wisdom uh, within the esoteric tradition. Okay, so that's who that guy is. Uh, let's move on. Her writings bore some similar, <clears throat> excuse me, her writings bore some similarity to those of Madame Blavatsky. You've heard that name before and are among the teachings often referred to as the ageless wisdom, the occulted knowledge. I talk about it all the time. Though Bailey's writings differ in some respects to the theosophy of Madame Blavatsky, they have much in common with it. She wrote on religious themes, including Christianity. Though her writings are fundamentally different from many aspects of Christianity or other Orthodox religions, her vision of a unified society included a global spirit of religion, different from traditional religious forms, and including the concept of the age 
of Aquarius. And I know you've heard a lot of people talk about the age of Aquarius. What is it, Andrew for America? It is an astrological age. It is a time period in astrological theory, which astrologers say parallels major changes in the development of Earth's inhabitants, particularly relating to culture, society, and politics. There are 12 astrological ages corresponding to the 12 zodiological signs in Western astrology. Advocates believe that when one cycle of the 12 uh, astrological ages called a great year is completed, another cycle of 12 ages begins. The length of one cycle of 12 ages is 25,772 years. Some astrologers believe that during a given age, some events are directly caused or indirectly influenced by the astrological sign associated with that age, while other astrologers believe the different astrological ages do not influence events in any way. Astrologers do not agree upon exact dates for the beginning or ending of the ages, with given dates varying by hundreds of years. And... I want to just comment on that real quick. In my experience, with all of this esoteric, occulted, astrological, celestial uh, knowledge and wisdom, alchemy, magic, ritual, all that stuff, you know what it seems like to me? It seems like nobody knows everything. Nobody knows it all. Even the people that know the most and are respected as being the uh, the ancient wise of old, right? They still don't know everything. And a lot of their bullshit has been proven not true. So, is astrology and the occult and the esoteric magicians, magicians, the Gnostics, the whatever, the Masons, you know, pe- uh, groups like the uh, Golden Dawn and the OTO, are they just jerking themselves off? Is it just a big, uh, you know, mental exercise in justifying being uh, Luciferian, Satan-worshipping, possible piece-of-shit human being that's willing to hurt others in order to further your goals? Uh, Because that's what it seems like to me. You know, Jordan Peterson and a lot of all these people say, oh, you have to get in touch with you know, the evil that you are capable of before you can become a good person or good entity, right? And I get that to a certain uh, level, but here's my question. To what lengths do you take it? Because the people that followed Thelema and Aleister Crowley took it to obscenely disgusting uh, extreme levels, in my humble opinion. And that's not to say that the church has not taken ideas and themes and murder and rape and pillaging and plundering to extreme obscene levels so maybe there is something to it the yin yang the positive negative the duality the good versus evil the two wolves right maybe all of this astrological celestial uh banter you know is symbolic and maybe astral theology really is what the Bible and all these other religious tech, uh, texts were based on. 
maybe it's stories that explain things that happen within the human body, within the human mind. Maybe it's not about the external. Maybe it's all about the internal. That's the, that's the part of this stuff I actually like. The development of self so that you can make fruitful use of your freedom here on this earth. Eric Fromm, remember that? The Sane Society. Go read his book. Okay? So that's a little bit about the Age of Aquarius, Alice Bailey, Theosophy, Anthroposophy, Occulted Knowledge and Wisdom, Ancient Forbidden Knowledge, people that think that they can get together and uh, create a group that can control each and every person, place, thing on this planet. They feel that they are cut from a different cloth than you. You are common stock. They are preferred stock. Okay? Slavery has never gone away. They just created a matrix world for you to live in and hope that you never found out what was really going on. And my fellow Americans, that's changing. It's changing. And in my opinion, that's positive. I think it's a positive thing for all of us to know. I think we can all take comfort in knowing that the veil is slipping. The mask is slipping. And soon we are going to see some of these people for who they really are. Soon the truth will be revealed to you one way or the other. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> that we were all born into this realm and we are all at the whim of its creators. And that's life. Okay, uh, let's meet Tedros. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to try to pronounce this man's name. Here we go. And now that I'm reading this, I think I've introduced Tedros to you before, but I'm going to give it a shot. Here we go. Tedros Adhenom Gebreasis. I believe I got that. Uh, is an Ethiopian public official, a health official, researcher, director general of the WHO since 2017, the first African to become WHO director general, receiving an endorsement for the role by the African Union, played a huge role in Ebola, uh, COVID-19, uh, monkeypox, uh, etc. He held two high-level positions in the government of Ethiopia, Minister of Health, Minister of Foreign Affairs, um, he was born in Eritrea and his family originated from, uh, Enderta of Tigray. Tedros recalled that as a child, he was very aware of the suffering and death caused by malaria. Uh, his younger brother died at age three or four of preventable disease like measles. Uh, and Tedros discusses as a defining personal experience in regards to the need for global health care. So, uh, maybe that's true, and this guy really does have a, a, a you know, a bleeding heart, uh, a positive uh, desire to do what's best for everybody in his heart of hearts based on his life experience. 
Or maybe that's just the fun tug on your heartstrings propaganda line that he runs by you because he's the guy that's going to be making all the final decisions when it comes to pandemics and climate and forced vaccination and FEMA camps, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Uh, in October 2005, Tedros was appointed Minister of Health by Ethiopian Prime Minister Zenawi. Uh, at this time, the Ethiopian Health Ministry faced challenges that included poverty, poor infrastructure, declining global economic situation. Uh, Ethiopia employed fewer doctors, uh, fewer doctors than the number of Ethiopian doctors working in the Chicago metropolitan area at the time. A review published in the Global Health Governance considered progress in health indicators during this period to be significant. So uh, a lot of this stuff helped him um, continually get these roles because he allegedly did a good job handling a lot of this stuff. HIV, AIDS, malaria, all this stuff, right? But here's where Tedros gets questionable, Okay. As Minister of Health, Tedros formed relationships with figures and organizations, including former American President Bill Clinton and his Clinton Foundation. Okay, just think about Haiti right there. Okay, then he also uh, formed relationships with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You know all about that. In 2010, the U.S. State Department named Ethiopia as one of the U.S. Global Health Initiative Plus countries, providing the country with greater access to resources for public health projects. Let me read that again. In 2010, the U.S. State Department, (laughs) that's key, named Ethiopia as a U.S. Global Health Initiative Plus country and provided the country with, here it is, greater access to resources for public health projects. And what kind of public health projects do you think they may have been cooking up in labs in China? You see what I'm saying, my fellow Americans? And now listen to this. Listen listen to all of Tedros's affiliations. Okay? Partnership for Maternal Newborn and Child Health Co-Chair, World Health Assembly Vice President, uh, World Health Organization Regional Committee for Africa Chairman, Rollback Malaria Partnership Chair, Gavi Vaccine Alliance Board Member, High Level Task Force for Innovative Financing for Health Systems Member, Global Fund Chair. (laughs) I mean, this just keeps getting better and better. Aspen Institute, Harvard University Advisory Board, Intergovernmental Authority on Development, IGAD, International Conference on Population and Development, the ICPD member. African Union Executive Council on Foreign Ministers Chair, AIDS Watch over Africa Chair, Every Woman, Every Child Steering Group member. (laughs) I mean, people, their terminology tells you everything if you know what to look for. 
Okay, so that's a little bit about Tedros. The man that once upon a time told you during the heart of the COVID-19 pandemic that things are not going back to normal. Things are not going to go back to normal ever, he said. Is he a bad actor? I don't know. Is he affiliated with bad actors? Absolutely. Tedros is questionable. Keep your eye on this man, my fellow Americans. I hope you enjoyed the show today. I just wanted to do some reading about what these groups talk about and have planned at the World Health Organization, at the World Economic Forum, at the World Government Summit, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. People, it's time to play some punk rock. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, people, welcome back to the show. Um, I wanted to read this to you as well. In the previous segment, I told you um, about those bullet point plans. And I found this. I think I've talked about this before. Uh, Saul Alinsky. Uh, wrote a book called Rules for Radicals back in the day. I've heard Hillary Clinton, amongst other uh, communist sympathizers, uh, refer to this book. And uh, Saul Alinsky gave a list of eight levels of control to create a socialist nation in his book. And let me read these to you really quick and tell me if this doesn't sound similar to what we just heard, okay? Healthcare, control healthcare, and you control the people. Poverty, increase the poverty level as high as possible. Poor people are easier to control and will not fight back if you are providing everything for them to live. That's that whole don't feed the animals at the national parks uh, <laughs> idea. You know what I'm saying? Uh, debt. Increase the debt to an unsustainable level. That way you are able to increase taxes. And this will produce more poverty. Hmm. Taxes produce poverty. Right there from the horse's own mouth. Gun control. Remove the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way you are able to create a police state welfare take control of every aspect of their lives food housing and income 
Education. Take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Religion. Remove the belief in the God from the government and schools. Class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. This will cause more discontent and it will be easier to take and to tax the wealthy with the support of the poor. And those, my fellow Americans, were Saul Alinsky's eight levels of control to create a socialist nation. I said, communist takeover is coming uh, in the previous episode. And I believe that that is the absolute truth in one way, shape, or form. Um, before we get to the punk rock, I want to play a, a brief little supercut of what the end game goals or the further along the road goals of the World Economic Forum and the Big Club and yada yada. Um, all the stuff I've been talking to you about in this podcast is just their standard operating procedure, right? This is how they, they run their psyops on all of us. Um, they've been doing it for years and years and years. The CIA has been basically planting stories in the media, getting you to believe what they want you to believe. And that's why I always say you got to be smarter than the propaganda. You got to be smarter than the narratives that they are pushing on you and want you to believe. Because I'm here to tell you that shit ain't always true. In fact, it's seldom true. If ever true. I don't know, maybe 5 5 to 10% of truth in a news story that comes to you from the mainstream media big 5. Here we go. Take a listen to what the future plans are if they get all of this stuff in place that I've been talking to you about on this podcast today, people. Let's kick it off with Anderson Cooper talking to Yuval Noah Harari. Here we go. You said we are one of the last generations of Homo sapiens. Within a century or two, Earth will be dominated by entities that are more different from us than we are different from chimpanzees. Yeah. What the hell does that mean? That freaked me out. You know, we'll soon have the power to re-engineer our bodies and brains, whether it is with genetic engineering or by directly connecting brains to computers or by creating completely non-organic entities, artificial intelligence, which is not based at all on the organic body and the organic brain. And these technologies are developing at breakneck speed. If that is true, then it creates a whole other species. This is something which is way beyond just another species. Yuval Noah Harari is talking about the race to develop artificial intelligence, as well as other technologies like gene editing that could one day enable parents to create smarter or more attractive children, and brain-computer interfaces that could result in human-machine hybrids. We see nothing yet. We are still just at the tip of this revolution. 
entire liberal democratic system is built on philosophical ideas we've inherited from the 18th century, especially the idea of free will, which underlies uh, uh, the, the basic mottos of the liberal worldview, like the voter knows best, the customer is always right, uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, uh, follow your heart, do what feels good. All, all these liberal mottos, which are the foundation of our political and economic system, they assume that the ultimate authority is the free choices of individuals. This was okay for the last two or three centuries because even though free will was always um, a myth and not a scientific reality, I mean, science knows of only two kinds of processes in nature. It knows about deterministic processes and it knows about random processes and their combination results in probabilistic processes. But randomness and probability, they are not freedom. They mean that I can't predict your actions. Now, up till now in history, the humans were so complicated that from, from a practical perspective, it still made sense to believe in free will. Because nobody could understand you better than you understand yourself. You had this inner realm of desires and thoughts and feelings which you had privileged access. The privileged access now belongs to corporations like Google. They can have access to things happening ultimately inside my body and brain which I don't know about. There is somebody out there, not just one, all kinds of corporations and governments that maybe not today, maybe in five years, 10 years, 20 years, they will have privileged access to what's happening inside me, more privileged than my access. They could understand what is happening in my brain better than I understand it. You don't have to give them permission. I mean, in some countries, maybe you have no choice at all. But even in a, in a democracy like the United States, a lot of the information that enables an external entity to hack you, um, nobody asks you whether you want to give it away or not. Now, at present, most of the data that is being collected on, on humans is still from the skin outwards. We, we haven't seen nothing yet. We are still just at the tip of, of, of this revolution because at present whether it's Google and Facebook and Amazon or whether it's the government or whatever they are, uh, are trying to understand people mainly on the basis of what I, what I search what I buy where I go who I meet it's all external the really big revolution which is coming very quickly will be when the AI revolution and machine learning and all that the infotech revolution meets and merges with the biotech revolution and goes under the skin. The microchip actually in his hand. The tiny implant is the latest advance in a biohacking technology that serves as his keys, his ID and his wallet. When biometric sensors or even external devices, now we are developing the ability, for example, to know the blood pressure of individuals just by looking at them. You don't need to put a sensor on a person. 
just by looking at the face, you can tell what is the blood pressure of that individual. And by analyzing tiny movements in the eyes, in the mouth, you can tell all kinds of things from the current mood of the person. Are you angry? Are you bored? To things like sexual orientation. Biometric systems can recognize a person's specific physical attributes, their fingerprints, facial features, iris, or retina. The technology is already used around the world. So um, we are talking about a world in which humans are no longer a black box. Nobody really understands what happens inside, so we say, okay, free will. No, the box is open, and it's open to others, certain others, more than it is open to you. You don't understand what's happening in your brain, but some corporation or government or organization could understand that. Thing. Once I have your bio-coded uh, information about your bio-code, I just transmit that off all the towers in the United States and you're harassed no matter where you are. There's a bioresonance to every individual, just like our fingerprint. Every person has an individual DNA, a different bioresonance. And so uh, the Stockland, the original Stockland patent is on my website where Stockland was able to go voice the skull with pulse tra uh, transmissions in 92. And then after the, the rest of the development went black ops. We don't really know what happened after that. We knew we could put voices in uh, to, uh, group people's heads. What they did, and I know from the Russian trans translation, from Cheryl Welch, from reading all her translated psychotronic stuff from Russia, that they figured out how to biocode these microwaves so that it can attack specific individuals. Once they have your DNA, they take the DNA and they put the, your DNA code in a supercomputer. And in that supercomputer, they run algorithms that biocode electromagnetic transmission so they bioresonate with your body. Once they've done that, they can transmit that from satellites or cell towers or aircraft or any number of ways. And that signal will only affect you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with all, yeah, like it's with the cell phone towers and everything else as well. Well, the towers are the matrix, you know, they you know the movie The Matrix. As an example, if I go into a city location and I'm testing an environment, I can see probably anywhere from 30 to 60 Wi-Fi access points. So that means that you're saturated microwave. That's all 2.4 gigahertz, you know, microwave transmissions with 60, trans 60 transmission access points that are sending and receiving. The Human Genome Project was carried out at the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab, where I was a staff scientist for five years. They were tracking people in the lab by the electromagnetic frequency emitted by individual DNA. The DNA in every living thing has a unique frequency and signal. That is what they're using what they're focusing on, and what they're weaponizing to completely control us. All they need is to, to kind of identify your DNA fingerprint like, <laughs> uh, uh, with your name, and then they can, they can watch you 24 hours a day. This is one part. The other part So we are, we are running a GPS system? Yes. The way the technology works, the voice is skull, is to tap into the resonant frequency of the DNA of the individual the targeted individual 
And this allows total mind, spirit, and body control over the individual by those who are running this program. Since I saw on a daily basis how intimately involved in this program of voice to skull social engineering and gang stalking my private security company was, I couldn't help but notice that our client, one of the largest corporations in America and indeed the world, just happened to have a massive database of DNA on its property. A DNA database that stores the DNA of millions of Americans. Their emotions, their thoughts, their minds, their heartbeat, their muscle movements, their dreams, their thoughts. Everything they see and everything they hear is all recorded and manipulated by this technology. And all of this is made possible by the people running this program utilizing the technology to tap into the resonant frequency of the individual's DNA. So they can broadcast this from a, a satellite, uh, a tower, over a, a many, many miles. And yet only that particular person, the targeted individual with that particular physiological signature or DNA signature will actually pick up the sent, the sent message, correct? That is correct. The, the digital receiver is the human brain. Okay, so you could be standing in a room full of 100 people. The stream of energy, the stream of electromagnetic... It's everyone, it's, but you're the only one who gets it. That's what I was saying, yeah. It, okay. would, it, would hit, it would pass right through and around everyone, and they would not even sense anything. But the victim would absorb the energy and feel its effects. Because only the victim possesses that specific brainwave signature, sure. which the sure. stream of energy is tuned into. The supercomputer begins to monitor all electromagnetic activity of the victim's brain by way of this bidirectional stream of energy mm -hmm. and it begins to monitor and download all that in that information back into its database the system the, the supercomputers are designed to clone to download one's entire persona and psyche back into its database because of my responsibilities in surveillance as a otherwise normal security specialist uh, i would show this technology at work and it was through the perspective, of course, of the camera, and what I was told that it was obvious it was being uh, used through the eyes of the targets. Um, so I have seen it, and it is absolutely remarkable. It's just like a first-person, you know, video game or something where you, you see right through the eyes of the individual. When we look through our eyes, there are photons hitting the outside of our face. They don't actually make it into the part that thinks. The part that thinks is looking at something else. It's looking at some kind of weird compressed signal. Basically, those optical signals are, are interpreted by the brain, and then you, you perceive them as vision. You perceive them as pictures and so forth, but this is all uh, electrical signals within the brain. Uh, and so the exact same thing, the data is taken in through the eyes, and then your brain renders it in a visual form that you, we know as sight. The exact same thing happens with the computer. Uh, the data is sent to the computer, then it is rendered, uh, in the form of a picture that people can look at. Images, like natural images, like what I'm looking at, have so much structure that they can be shrunk and compressed into a very tiny, what AI people call representation. So what our brains seem to do is build a very, very good compressed representation of the world, call it a model. So just like if I have a building and there's like a blueprint or a scale model of the building, Imagine I have the whole world and all of its concepts 
and I shrink it down into this weird compressed representation so that it fits inside my brain. The exact same thing happens with the computer. Uh, the data is sent to the computer and then it is rendered. And from what I understand, that's where this technology is right now. The cutting edge is trying to marry, you know, the software that's used to render it on the computer and the actual uh, detecting of the signal and the hacking of the signal within the human mind. So the, the, the modern view of intelligence, or, a, or call it cognition more generally, is that it's a very important thing that we create models of the world inside our heads. They're using two interfaces, like we said, the brain-to-computer interface. That's the supercomputer, the sophisticated and advanced exascale system downloads all of your, you know, all electromagnetic activity, all these synaptic responses, the electromagnetic emissions of the victim's brain is downloaded at speed of light. Energy travels at speed of light, so they can download, upload at speed of light. Sure. Back into a database as they build, as the supercomputer is programmed to build, uh, using various software programs, a cognitive model of your brain. And what we are trying to do is to use this precious knowledge to build machines they can actually create, manipulate, and use these parallel realities in the service of this one. We want to grab those parallel realities from this abstract space in which they live and crunch them down into this chip. Uh, to eventually achieve direct behavioral control over you. And then based on you know that cognitive model being complete, to, to be, begin to be able to predict and influence in advance the reference choices of the victim during thought composition. As the victim is formulating his thoughts and preparing to act, the supercomputer already has that persona and psyche, all your emotional state downloaded, every vector of your emotional state downloaded, so I can already predict and influence mm -hmm. those events in sure. your life in advance sure. and achieve direct behavioral control over you. And they had created a digital model of Earth and everybody in it down to a digital GPS coordinates model up to even a vertical dimension of one and a half centimeters, every building, every roadway, everything. And what they want to do is create an internet of things where in digital space they know exactly what you're doing in real time. They want to know in real time what shows you're watching, what sandwich you're eating, what part of the house you're walking around. They want to know everything. Where they are literally just seeing what it's like for someone to eat a sandwich, what it's like uh, the emotional response and the, and the brain activity when someone is insulted, when someone uh, gets love, when someone interacts with someone, all of these different aspects of the human experience, so that my original thought was that they are using it to be able to program the technology itself. Is going to talk about this more? Because I do. I have no idea how I didn't find this. This is from 2018. Government accidentally releases documents on psychoelectric weapons. This is from Popular Mechanics. So allegedly, this journalist was requesting information about Antifa and white supremacist groups. It was during like BLM, I guess. So he got all of his questions answered and then he also got a file that was labeled EMF, EM effects on humanbody.zip. And he got files like this. Forced memory blanking and induced erroneous actions. Induced changes to hearing, both apparent direction and volume, and sometimes even content. Sudden violent itching inside eyelids. Forced manipulation of airways, including externally controlled forced speech, wildly racing heart without cause, odds, controlled dreams, forced waking visions, some synced with body motion, microwave hearing, there's a star next to that one. 
Seems like this was in 1974. Transparent eyelids, whatever that is. Artificial tinnitus. Forced movement of jaw and clacking of teeth. Forced muscle quaking of the large muscles in the back. Forced precision manipulation of hands, sometimes synced to the forced waking visions. Like, what the fuck? Aman Jabi has worked in Silicon Valley for 28 years. His background includes work on deep technologies that are involved in the new digital prison system being designed by big tech. In 2020, he moved to Montana and became a whistleblower, warning the public of the very real threat about to be unleashed upon us all, known by many as the Mark of the Beast system. Aman explains how accepting the digital ID is the basic premise behind it all. So by default, a digital identity implies that you are always in a digital prison. Since you have a digital identity and you're in a prison, you are by default a criminal. So we don't trust you. Just like the old system, this new one is also voluntary. And you are supposed to know that it's a digital prison that you are voluntarily signing up for. And the reason for this is because in this new system, having a digital ID will be proof that you are a criminal. Because having a digital ID means that you are in a digital prison. And because you accepted it, you must be a criminal. Because of this, there is a new protocol being introduced with this system known as zero trust. How is zero trust going to be used? Here's a lady, she wants to go and buy some beef, but let's say her carbon footprint or her beef footprint for the month has been exceeded, that door won't open. This digital prison is sneaking up on us all. There is no need for an implanted chip because everything is being done with facial recognition, which is already plugged into the entire system. America already has more cameras per capita than communist China, and our social credit score is already being logged. All we need at this point is a series of events that lead us all into having to make the choice of either accepting the new digital ID or saying no. Since the COVID lockdowns, new state-of-the-art LED lights have been replacing streetlights in cities throughout the West. Aman explains that this is all part of the plan. These lights will be connected to everything, including your phone and your car. And in new cars, that includes 16 different cameras with LiDAR and sonar. These lights are being outfitted with LED incapacitators, which is a light technology that was first announced 15 years ago, back when it caused enough brain damage to make a person sick. Another strange weapon in the final stages of development is able to mount an all-out barrage on the optic nerve. The LED incapacitator was developed under the auspices of the Department of Homeland Security for the purposes of creating what we call a non-lethal defense system. And uh, this technology consists of a bright set of LED technology, light-emitting diodes, uh, that is designed to create a sort of temporary blindness, meaning temporary ability to not be able to see the person who we're trying to protect. If aggressors caught in its bright pulsating glare don't shield their eyes or turn away quick enough, temporary blindness isn't the only effect they'll feel. The first time I saw the LEDI was in a darkened room, and within three or four seconds, 
I had reached forward and grabbed a hold of a lab bench because I was feeling a little bit uh, uh, dizzy or disoriented. The device's combination of different colors and random flashes can induce psychophysical effects, including vertigo and possible nausea. It's been nicknamed the puke light. It's been 15 years, and our Silicon Valley whistleblower believes that this technology is now capable of killing people. Ultimately, we can say no to this. But if there's a critical mass that doesn't sign on to the digital ID, then this agenda gets weakened substantially. But we will have to first unify and come together. All right, people, we first must unify and come together. Uh, easier said than done when the vast majority of you programmable lemming robot automatons out there still can't see past that black mirror, that cold black screen that be feeling like home. You know the one with the patent, with the U.S. Patent Office, that says that it controls you through suggestive uh, media, words, images, flashing lights, subliminal messaging on your TV screen? The TV screen is the real world to a lot of people, and that is sad and terrifying. And if all this stuff is true, people, <laughs> and I find it very hard to believe that it's not with these volumes of literature that any one of us can go take it upon ourselves to get off of our disbelieving fat asses and go look up and read and learn for ourselves don't worry it's not bad if you're curious in fact it's good that you're curious and if you're afraid to be labeled a nut job conspiracy theorist then you lack the courage to push forward on your quest from ignorance towards knowledge wisdom and understanding Let's turn up the optimism and the fun, people. Let's play some punk rock. This band, known as Straight Line, formed in the late 90s but underwent a series of lineup changes before finding its final form in 2013. They released early demos under the name Softcore, renaming to become Straight Line, before releasing their debut album, No Way Home, in tw uh, 2005, they released two more EPs, Change of Seasons, in 2010, and Sour Crowd, in tw uh, 2012, before a second full-length, Final Redemption, in 2013. The success of Final Redemption saw the band touring Eastern Europe, Ukraine, and Russia after the release of uh, alternation of the rules in 2014, they hit the road to conquer the whole European continent, as well as jetting out to impress audiences in Japan. They were invited to play major punk rock festivals like Punk Rock Holiday and Mighty Sounds before a full tour of Latin America supporting Satanic Surfers. In 2017, Straight Line released their critically acclaimed album Vanishing Values which also saw Straight Line taking on a second tour of Japan. Plus festivals like Jera On Air and Kimara Fest 
In 2018, they embarked on their first tours of Australia and Canada, including support slots with skate punk legends, 10-foot pole, and big wig on several shows. Straight Line has set its sights on global domination, with tours of Canada and Slovenia planned to celebrate the release of their new album, Keep Your Cool, on Lockjaw Records and Thousand Islands Records. The release of Keep Your Cool sees an exciting new chapter opening for the band, who are writing new songs with new members for a follow-up release. Ladies and gentlemen, making their debut on the Politics and Punk Rock podcast. From their 2022 release, Keep Your Cool, here's Straight Line with their song, Global Frustration.
my God, people. I love that song. I love these guys. These guys are so good. Fast, thrashy, punk rock, borderlining on metal. Awesome anthemic lyrics and melodies and harmonies. Damn. That was the song. Global Frustration. Themes up quite nicely, don't you think, my fellow Americans? By the band Straight Line. And uh, let's move on. Let's get to it with their second song here today on the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Here's Straight Line with their song. And how fitting is this one? <laughs> Virus.
Oh boy, people, go check out this band. That was the song Virus by the band Straight Line. And that song and the previous song were off of their 2022 release entitled Keep Your Cool. And people, that's good advice. Do your best to keep your cool here in the 21st century as we march even further toward a brave new Orwellian surveillance police state totalitarian dictatorship world order. Thank you for listening, my fellow Americans and my fellow citizens of the world. Go to the website, politicsandpunkrockpodcast.com, buy some merch, read the show notes, click on the SoundCloud link to go check out my music. Uh, Go to Spotify, look up the Politics and Punk Rock podcast playlist, like and follow that if you would. I just put Straight Line in there today. Great punk rock playlist I am uh, curating at the moment, so... Go check that out, and I'm going to let Straight Line play us out. We're going to go back in time to their 2017 release entitled Vanishing Values, and God knows values are most definitely vanishing, and that's why we're going to need the courage to teach, to model behavior, to set the example to show the younger generations how things ought to be rather than how they actually are in reality here in this day and age. Be strong, people, because we don't have a choice. Don't get swept up in it. See through it. Be smarter than the propaganda, and I really hope you do figure out a way to move from ignorance towards knowledge, wisdom, and understanding for you, for me, for all of us. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Off of their 2017 release, Vanishing Values. Here's Straight Line with their song, not afraid. Shall we go? 
Oh, my God. You guys are one of the best punk bands out there I've heard in a while, man. I love you guys. That was Straight Line with their song, Not Afraid. And uh, Straight Line, thank you so much for letting me feature your guys' awesome tunes on the show here today. Uh, That's the show. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, I just did a podcast with Ryan Dean from the Dangerous World podcast, uh, the reboot of his Conspiracy Break Room episode. Uh, We talk about lutefisk and fish pudding and making cocktails and my music and bartending days, and it's kind of a biographical show uh, where I talk about myself, which is kind of weird. When I listened back to it, I was like, Ugh, I don't know how I feel about this. This is a different uh, kind of show. But I liked it. It was fun. Uh, if you guys want to get to know me a little bit more, uh, head on over to the Dangerous World podcast and check out uh, Conspiracy Break Room with Ryan, Dean, and myself. It's awesome. Take care of each other out there. Give people a break. Cut people some slack. Don't be such an asshole. Life is going to become more difficult for each and every one of us here in the 21st century. And I've been saying it a lot lately, and I want to reiterate. People, I'm mentally preparing my listeners for what might be coming. I don't claim to know everything. I don't claim to have all the answers. But I can assure you that I am putting in the work. I'm trying to discover objective reality and truth for you, for me, for all of us. Thank you. Good night. We'll see you next time. This has been episode 145 of the Politics and Punk Rock Podcast. Titled Standard Psi Operating Procedure. We'll see you next time. This event called Event 201, a pandemic simulation that took place in October 2019 in New York. What is the CIA doing in a pandemic simulation? They're not a public health agency. What they're talking about is using this pandemic as a pretext for clamping down totalitarian control. And the first thing they said is, we got limit free speech. We can't allow people to criticize government policies. We cannot allow people to talk about a lab leak. They're doing this in October of 2019 before anybody of us have ever heard of Wuhan. I believe in the idea that we shouldn't be trying to control communication, but rather flood the zone, in a sense, with a trusted source. The things we want to do is work with telecommunication companies to actually ensure that everybody has access to the kind of communications that we're interested in providing. CIA has been conducting these simulations since 2001, and they're practicing how do we use the next pandemic to execute a coup d'etat against American democracy and against the Bill of Rights. And that is very, very worrying. Everything that they've modeled, they did.